Lots happening. Lots going on in the hip hop world. Some good, some bad. We talk about it all here on Unheard. Go tap in with us on Instagram at Unheard Podcast, Twitter at Unheard Pod One. Send us your music takes. Send us your favorite songs. DM us. Share the pod. Like, subscribe, all that. Love y'all. I want blue strips on all the paper when I get it. I can be off Zans, the backstabs, I don't forget them. We ain't going on tour, but we got the bag up in the sprinter. I knew this shit was gonna come just like I seen it on The Simpsons. I think I'm seeing things from Beans and Lean that I've been sick. I gotta get praying to Jesus, I've been thinking about leaving a nigga. No matter how mean I am to your bitch, she still won't leave a nigga. I pray for my niggas, they perk heads, got sick codeine addiction. Mind your business, that of my bitch, you seen me with her. Your big homie, grown ass man to me, he an infant. Little ass nigga, you ain't hot like me, you drinking spinach. Little ass boy, you don't ball like us, to me, you a scrimmage. You wanna beat your bitch, she playing my song and shaking her ass. Way before I was rapping, state to state, shaking the bag. I don't give a fuck, we go to the pearly gates, I'm taking a mag. Mask on in the kitchen, while I'm whipping, scraping the glass. I ain't even in good mood until I take my meds. I know niggas who throwing seeds, it ain't Chanel. I got niggas who under the fire like Jason Kidd. Tell little bro, this a grown man game, it ain't for kids for Nigga wanna steal this swag, gotta wait till it go on sale yeah. I don't even like your bitch, she made me pay for head You ain't never made a 20 waiting on the mail uh, My little nigga black and ugly, shoot like Tony Snell Young Thug and 28 other members of YSL 27 other members of YSL, including Sergio Kitchens, aka Gunna Have been arrested and indicted on 56 counts of criminal racketeering. Rico, Todd, you want to you wanna break down the details of the case for, for those who maybe have not been as diligent as we have? Uh, sure. Uh, so main things, key excerpts. There's a DA, by last name Willis. Um, she's kind of made it her mission to rid Atlanta of crime. And her version of crime is gangs. And she views most rap labels in Atlanta as gangs. She said, quote, they are committing conservatively 75% to 80% of all the violent crime in our community. How do you even hmm. have that? <laughs> Which that is, is a, a damning statistic. That's an Did that come from Pew Research? Cons- that's like, a hilarious number. <laughs> then to say <laughs> that conservatively, from? like, okay. <laughs> that's definitely not conservative. That's not conservative. But yeah, she called Young Thug and YSL some of Atlanta's top offenders. Uh, she says she's pushing for the maximum penalty, which in this case, she said, quote, people with this indictment have been given life. It's also worth noting that she's done four successful RICO cases and one unsuccessful RICO case. The one unsuccessful, she claimed Trump um, tampered with the Atlanta That's crazy elections. And she never went through with that one. But she has gotten teachers on a RICO case. She's gotten um, other unnamed RICO cases. So she's got a RICO resume. resume. She brags <laughs> about it in her little press re- interview. She said, yeah, this is something I use often um, to paint the full picture of the crime. They're really painting Young Thug as like a mob boss, which if you read the uh, indictment, um, everything Young Thug is tied to is overt acts. So like social media posts where Young Thug is saying YSL, boom, that's in that 88 page indictment. Um, Lyrics, if you guys remember uh, the first song from So Much Fun where Young Thug is like, almost got that pussy nigga killed in Linux. That's cited in the indictment. A lot of evidence. But also not a lot of strong evidence. So it can go either way to me. But that's the basics of what I've seen. I will say this. Don't don't say there's not a lot of strong evidence because from these indictments alone, you can't possibly know the strength and the depth 
of the Fed's case. The indictment is well. That's just okay. Well, let me correct overview. you. Let me correct you. Let me correct you. Right there. I'll let you finish. But um, Wait, I was well, going to. Where are you correcting me at? It's not a federal RICO case. No, it's, that is true. Fair. It's through the state of Georgia. So that is like the one thing I will give Taj and or just in the whole case in terms of um it is it's certainly not a federal RICO case. Now I did not know the DA's record and that the RICO case is kind of like her finisher move or that like she's very accustomed That's her to signature. The it's her signature, like it's her Tyreek Hill wave. But um <laughs> Yeah, I definitely wanted to, I think it's important to note that it's not a federal RICO case, which definitely probably brings some more serious, severe implications. I will say this, man. They got to snitch, bro. And that's what this going to come down to. I want gun, bro. That's, that's what it's going to come down to. I want DS5, bro. Just snitch, they, bro. Some of these charges stem all the way back. They, they, they said the gang was formulated in 2012. Some of these more serious charges of conspiracy to mid murder, which are the huge ones, like, the the racketeering and, and, and all that shit is one thing, carry a sentence of five to twenty years. But if you get caught on that murder charge or connected to that conspiracy, that's where you go to looking at the life and shit. And that's where the shit get fishy. But if they bring in this Rico charge, this this shit has been years in the making. They've been building this case. And for them to bring it out now tells me that they got a snitch. They got a testimony. And that's why they decided they're going to proceed. Because you need that to nail the case. Once you got the snitch, once you got the witnesses, that's when the ball get the rolling. So for them to bring this shit up now and bro is being held. I know he ain't go to um his official hearing yet to um for bail, whether or not uh, he's going to get bail or not. But for right now, he's being held without bail. So that's also something to note. I think you're giving this whole case a, a little bit too much like reverence like you i don't think it's as strong of a case as you're giving it just because i mean it could be a fan of me talking and i just hope that but everything i've read it just seems like a publicity thing like even the press interview like she's trying to hold back a smile like in a class when the teacher's like well, of course no she's like like you know teacher's like stop laughing and now you just get the giggles she was like having that face like she just wanted to smile the whole time i'm like bro this is nasty like, I think she's just trying to, like, send a message out um, because one of the members of YSL did kill a police officer, like, uh, in February no, he this year. Him. He just shot he him just, six uh, times. Shot him. Yeah. February this year. Then he was in jail for that. And then that same guy um, is the one who stabbed Lucci um, in jail. And that was, like, last month. No, that was March. So I think it's just kind of like YSL was running a little too freely around Atlanta, and they just overstepped their boundaries, and they just... Send, they're sending a message now but again just reading the indictment i didn't really see anything damning other than the fact that young thug rented out a hertz vehicle in 2015 that was, that then was used in a drive-by now. shooting like, that, that was bring me back to my main point though just because you cannot know the extent the full extent of the fed case I'm not, saying they don't, I'm not which saying is not, they don't have a case. Not I'm not saying, saying they don't I'm not have giving a reference to the case. I'm saying I'm the charges that. against Young Thug are all overt acts except for that one charge of him renting a vehicle. The only thing that gets tricky is they have Thug as the ringleader. I mean, I was about to right? say that. Like, that's the point. So when you have him like, as the ringleader, any charge can I mean, really get drawn back to, to him because he the source. I mean, they are. That's what I was going to say, like, the history of, like, the Rico 
was started for the mob in New York to take down the four families like throughout the 80s and the 70s because crime was getting really bad. There was a lot of little hits going on, but every time they were taking in these little guys that were Italian guys that were killing people, they were just being quiet and sitting down for 60 years while they couldn't get to the crime bosses at the top of these families. Um, so they instituted, they created the RICO law to take down organizations so that <clears throat> even though the guys at the top might not be really getting their hands dirty on anything, that they can still take them down on the whole umbrella, under the umbrella of crimes committed in their gang or group, and in this case, I guess, record label slash gang. Um, and that's why, that's the only pushback I have in terms of, like, I am worried just in terms of I know the severity and the malleability of, I guess, like, the RICO case and how much it can kind of be shifted and played with. And then on top of that, um, just... One, I mean, I think something that's interesting to talk about, too, is how the rap lyrics are going to be played, because I think that was, like, the main evidence against, like, Gunna's charge in the whole Rico thing, was that, like, he talks about having, like, 100-round choppers on a on a song with Lil' Keed. Fox and, um I know in Maryland, they uh, outlawed, I think they may have instituted, or maybe they repealed it, um, but the use of rap lyrics in criminal court cases... So I don't really know Georgia's laws on that specifically, but I think it will be really interesting to see how that comes to play and like how much kind of credence or validity the court gives towards rap lyrics in court. Because I agree, like from our point of view, like yeah, I'm not using rap lyrics to indict Gunna on a on a Rico case, but who knows what the Georgia laws are, how the judges or what the jury is looking like. I don't even know. I mean, I guess this is just the initial indictment. Still going to have to see how this plays out. But I think that is, is probably the biggest thing I'm looking at is like how will the court system and the judicial system really weigh the rap lyrics in this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I'm worried personally. Just it's not a it's never a fun thing ever. It's like I don't want to say it's equal to, but it almost gives off the same feeling of like an artist's death because it's just like the nature or I guess the notion of just something being like taken so like suddenly where it's like okay yeah this is here one day and like the next day it's just like gone it's just like damn there's no real way to react to that other than just like having to see how the facts play out and stuff like that but I would be lying if I said I was not worried I think that's the most damning part like just the social media shit like how the feds really be watching like they really got a social media task force that don't do nothing but watch the feed all day. Because y'all also heard that apparently Georgia opened 446 cases with the gang nexus in 100 different counties. More than 170 individuals were charged with gang-specific crimes under the State Gang Act or with federal gang charges. This was in 2021. And some of those gangs include, or what they call gangs, uh, 4PF. Um, which one is obviously YSL, and then which one is Playboy Cardi under? Duct tape dash homicide. Yeah. What that nigga like Chain said, like you gotta be fresh as hell when the feds watching, cause it seemed like now <laughs> even with the young boy shit before then, like young boy how they tried to get him on a social media shit type joint, and how they really was watching him close. It's just like, damn, the feds is watching. And well, again, again, that. like the Georgia point definitely has to be like belabored. Like the DA, it's 2022. It's an election year. Like she's up for reelection. 
So like Absolutely. when it's looking into what she's trying to do for Georgia and to satisfy Georgia voters, it's like and lobby those votes. Like it's not going to be a light case. And like she's going to be trying to really stunt. And I mean, really, I guess show her ass to to I guess appease voters into showing that yeah, she's tough on crime. She's really committing to eliminating this what seventy five to eighty percent number that crime is there. And it's Bullshit like yeah. Number. Just bullshit ass number. That's what I'm saying. Like the that whole is thing, out the ass ass number. The whole thing is just gonna be bullshit, and it's gonna be out the ass. But I just in an election year, like it's just very very bad timing to where it doesn't look great. Now I will say, Thug. I mean, they they seem to be very wealthy. I hope that they've saved their money and that they have good lawyers, good legal teams, and all that stuff. But one point on that after this, there was um, Eric Nelson, a, a professor of liberal arts at the University of Richmond who studies hip-hop culture said, quote, blaming hip-hop is a convenient scapegoat for authorities who are not getting the job done. That's what the New York Times published in their thing about this whole art, about this situation. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on. It's just kind of like, okay, there's crime in our city. Who can we blame it on? We're not going to blame it on systemic these systemic issues that we can't do anything about because we don't want to upset these super rich white people. Oh, of course. Let's blame it on the young rappers that's flashy around the city. Let's blame hip-hop. Tough on so, crime. And now the tough white. on crime the tough on crime narrative is now from like just black people to like hip hop specifically. Like the same exact thing is going on up north in New York with drill. Like that's kind of where we've seen a little bit earlier where the mayor mayor of New York is talking about having a plan to combat drill rappers and meeting with Fabio Foreign and K Flock and all these dudes to blame drill for the crime in New York. It's the same exact shit. Same exact shit. So but back to you mentioned a lawyer point. I think YSL is under three hundred. I don't know who four PF is. Well, four PF isn't indicted yet, but YSL is under three hundred. I feel like YSL is a label. Young Thug should not have to be fronting this bill, these lawyer bills. Like all the money YSL as an entire entity has made You'd this larger label as, and if it's a Rico case, like pinning Young Thug as the one who all the money is funneling in from. When YSL is under this larger label where the money is literally funneling in from, this is like insane that they're painting him as this like crime boss. But they view it. They don't. They're not. They're not tying it to the money, which is which I will give you. Like it's hypocritical for the government to not, for once, not trace things to the money, <laughs> the paper trail. But there, I think the actual statement for I guess where they name Thug as the ringleader is basically saying he was either directing. Or oh, yeah, under I'm under knowledge, or what do they call it, the wit, that aggravated assault was happening, armed robbery, robbery with a firearm, attempted murder. So it's not even about, which is like, I agree, it is very, and this is my point about the Rico case being so easily shiftable and changeable, is that like, yeah, if they just want to tie something to you, they don't have to, You don't you don't have to have your hands dirty in anything, but if we see you... And then it's backed up by your Instagram post of you saying YSL. I started this shit. I'm the king of YSL. All this shit. That's all they need in court. You don't actually have to, you don't have to actually do it. They just need to kind of prove or have a case that you did it. And if there's a jury that feels that way, then that's all it takes, which is super, super, super unfortunate. This is an insane. The charges. I was reading the charges for Young Thug. I was just read uh, three of them that I thought was like, bro. <laughs> These are like just building a brand. <laughs> One said preserving, protecting, and enhancing the reputation, power, and territory of YSL 
by posting Im messages, images, videos, and songs demonstrating allegiance to the enterprise. The niggas is just posting about YSL and how he's loyal to his brand that he they started. Turn, they turned his brand <laughs> into a gang, yeah. Maintaining armed individuals ready and willing to preserve, protect, and enhance the reputation, power, and territory of YSL. Niggas worth millions of dollars already not have armed individuals ready to protect him. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking through rose-tinted lenses, but it's like the demonization of, like, young thugs is, like, crazy. It is crazy. You're about to, you gonna try to make an example. I definitely do wonder if this is how the niggas were feeling about the mob back when they first started rolling out Ricos. And they were like, no way. Like, the grandfather, like, <laughs> no way he was actually killing niggas, bro. It was Vinny down the block. He's the one who killed Macy last week. There was no way that the head honcho, would have, the Genevieve such and such would have killed, would have killed this, would have killed this kid. But... Yeah, that shit is, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting, and I guess my last point on it is just, just getting nasty on social media, like, sure, it's Twitter, I like the Twitter memes, obviously it's Twitter, niggas can get their shit off, but the niggas that are going overboard with the Twitter memes, and then you got the hip-hop pages that are obviously run by white people, talking about, Gunna had the second highest streamed art, uh, album, Young Thug just passed 17 billion streams, this is crazy for hip hop. Like, damn, bro, I didn't know we only looked at these niggas as commodities. Like, I, I get it. Like, they are hip hop artists, but it's just for them to get indicted and brought up on these charges. And it's just like ten minutes later, the first tweet I see is like, ah, his numbers, his numbers, his numbers. Like, we're losing these rappers. It's like, bro, like, I, yeah, but these niggas are also going to jail, losing their families and. Losing their wealth and all that other stuff, too. Like, let's talk about how much money Gunna made this year. That's, like, going to stop coming in from club appearances and shows, and especially Thug. Thug, you said Thug didn't get Bond. <clears throat> he didn't post Bond. So, yeah, prayers up for YSL. Hopefully Thug going to get through this and not too many people have to sit. We'll see. That was our segment, True Crime. If you ever wanted a True Crime Unheard edition, that was it. That's as close as you're going to get. That was our True Crime story. Um... We'll keep we chance on the beat of updates in the case. What do you want to get to, Vance? I was going to do gonna unheard. I was going to ask you. Okay, okay. Go for the unheard then. I'll All right. Let's get an unheard. I will play. I'm going to play Cody Shane. Uh, she dropped an album like two weeks ago. Uh, this is my favorite track off it, Misunderstood.
go. We have, I mean, it's, it's the second LP from Jack Harlow. 15 songs. 51 minutes. I'm giving the chance breakdown right now. We have features from Pharrell, Drake, Timberlake, and Wayne. Um, I mean, do you want my initial thoughts or would you guys like to speak first? <laughs> I just, I finally realized why Chance does that. Watching you do it, I realized why Chance does it. Why? You guys are afraid to step out on the ledge first. You guys don't want to, I'm not. <laughs> you don't want to go first. So you just kind of <laughs> list out the I details. I it. I admitted it. I admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Let's list it out, man. Man, this album was awful. One. Of the most unserious albums I've heard since the big day, maybe the most unserious album I've heard. Yeah, he had, he had the he had the comparisons he, ready. Jumping Roddy Rich, can y'all hear me, folks? Can yeah, y'all hear me, the unheard folks. Dude, he just turned his levels up to hate on Jack Harlow. Turn me, turn me up, Turbo. <laughs> Hear me. Um, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I'm not here to hate or be nasty. But come on, man, let's just be. Let's keep on it, bro. Jack Harlow is this. Disney made a movie about a white rapper. Insert Jack Harlow in his music. <clears throat> the accompanying soundtrack. <laughs> written by... Oh, man, man, man. All songs written by USC, SCA graduates. And Aubrey Graham. That's literally... That's literally the Jack Harlow formula. Why bro. SCA songs, graduates? <laughs> the School of Cinematic Thor- Arts. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's how the lyrics sound. It don't even sound like it's written by like... They couldn't even get Thornton. They got SCA. He said it was the Come music, on, the music uh, theater majors. <laughs> These ABC ass rhyme just patterns and cadences by Jack Harlow. Everything is, it's like you know the flow. I can't even mimic it because I don't remember it that well. It wasn't. It didn't give me any impression. But you know the flow that he does on every song where it's just like uh, it's just like he raps like <laughs> you want to do the flow. Like this is the thing. Talking about the if flow. I made because I I made. And this, I, I don't know if this is a, if <laughs> Yo, this is a, so a negative. Stressed. I don't know if this is a negative indictment on myself or what. But if I was making this Jack Harlow music, banging on a table at, at at the cafeteria during lunchtime, would we be big up in me at the table with these? I mean, if you were freestyling a whole ass, album like this, I'd be I'd be pretty impressed at a cafeteria. This shit poo, but the bars, but the bars, the bars, this shit poo, man. Bars, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be hyping it at the lunch table, I would say. Come on, man. This shit poo, man. Give me some lyrics, man. I'm about to read off lyrics. I ain't read off lyrics in so, so, so long, bro. I'm finna read off lyrics. This shit poo. (laughs) What's crazy is you can grab any song and read the lyrics. Come on, bro. This shit is comical, bro. Literally, let's just talk about the features. Drake I was trying to hate. Right, I was trying to read off no lyric. I was trying to read off the lyrics. I was trying to save my hate, but this man Chance is leading with too much hate. No, I'm a hate. Lead with hate. I'm a hate <laughs> so much. I'm a hate for everybody. I'm hating for everybody like, at home. You're like G- the hate Jesus. <laughs> you died for all of our. Listen, bro. I'm hating for everybody at home. Let's talk about Young Harleezy, the second song, bro. The second song. Come home. First of all, let's talk about the title. Honey, I'm home. Stupid <laughs> nigga, man. <laughs> Uh, honey, for I got the kids' ass title. <laughs> Come on, the kids miss you. <laughs> I'm gonna try to get the jokes off before I give context. <laughs> oh man, Taj, not Taj doing the Zane Low context. All right, Taj. All right, chance wait. Shh, chance wait. Oh, bitch, what are you divorced in your twenties, bitch? <laughs> wait, Nigga, 
so wait, 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 wait. Let's let Taj. Yeah, let's let just let him get all jokes off. No, no, no. Let's let PR Taj. Let's let uh, Taj. I didn't know Taj um, actually got hired by Harlow's team. He's actually I, leaving USC. I didn't. In I just the watched. I watched. Um, I think it was his Breakfast Club or Ebro interview, and he explained the title because I hated the title too. He said I apparently. This clip. I watch. He said apparently uh, on his Instagram, girls kept commenting, "Come home, the kids miss you" as a joke, and he said uh, something like his mom told him she misses him at home. <laughs> so that was it. Oh, actually, that's not what I saw. The explanation I saw was like added on to that was he was like. I like to think of my albums as time capsules and the last year and a half since what's poppin', I feel like I've been distant from my Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> Nigga expanded on his first <laughs> community. He's like he's like so basically his quote was in ten years I can safely say I can look back at this album and look at the title and say, You know what, this made sense at the time. This is where I was at the time. I was like, I guess. Like this is Fuck when you title, first, this bro. is when you first blew up and when you felt like you were away from home, but Come on, man. So cliche. Is this the guy? And this is the thing that kills me about the album, bro. It's just like, bro, the beats and the instrumental just tells you that the label wants us so bad, so very bad, well, what- more than anything else. In the whole wide well, that's what I was, world, that's what I was gonna mention to like, take the production, this guy seriously, bro. like the like the production, this smooth ass con- cognac ass production, this this cognac this charcoal, production, this charcoal crazy. suit ass production, this 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 martini with an olive in it ass production. Niggas <laughs> 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 really painting a smooth picture. Yeah, great picture of the Harlow, the very the smooth, on, the suave. This truck to the plane to the truck ass production, man. They giving us, man. Like my thing is, uh, it's just an <laughs> overload. It's an overload of it's an overload of ninety samples. Like, bro, I get it. Like, bro, bro, this shit. I listen. Man. I also listen to the Backstreet Boys. Like, I also listen to Fergie. Like, I also Young Harleazy. Y'all grew up shooting RPGs. I was in the seventh grade selling hard CDs. Like, hey, I get it. He's trying to make, he's trying to paint the grind narrative, and that's that's why I thought, and that's why I'll say, like, I, I thought the album was gonna work because it's like, look, he didn't, he doesn't really have a story or an image. Um, that's the thing. But he listen, just, no, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. He doesn't have a story or an image, which is why I think that's what a lot of people like, actually. I don't think, you know, there's the fans like us that love diving into stories and diving into the artists that have the deep-rooted, you know, narratives behind the album. But there are the majority of mass fans, especially in the pop realm, that just like hearing relatable shit. Which is why I thought our Harlow's album was going to work. What the fuck is relatable about your peers shooting RPGs? Come on, I mean, guy. I, I mean, we play, you play a lot of, I mean, you play GTA a lot. He was in the seventh grade. Nigga, you was in the seventh. Jack Harlow is 22 years old. Nigga, you were selling CDs in 2012, nigga. You are a sick individual. 24. Hey. Very sick one. Sounds like you're a hating. A very sick one, bro. You a very sick one. Anyway. Who the fuck was buying CDs in 2012? But anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll say the Timberlake song. I think I might have mentioned it last week. That was my favorite song in the album. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not here to fully hate. I did like the Timberlake song a little bit. Um, I will say that the Drake theory is a little bit more confirmed. I can't Absolutely. remember what was the song like a blade of grass. I think it was called, where he started like doing the melodies and kind of crooning like Drake on the hooks and stuff. Where I was like, just, I, I think I let out an audible chuckle when I listened to the album because I was like, okay, this is very funny. How much it's 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 kind of on the Drake path, but 
I see where he's going. I thought the formula was going to work. I don't want to jump to the album sales too quickly, but that's why I'm saying I was a little shocked by it only selling 100, 100K because I did think that it was going to work amongst the masses. Um, but it's another certain somebody kind of stole the weekend from him on Mother's Day, so maybe it's not really even blame on Harlow. But yeah, super underwhelming. Pitchfork gave it a 2.9 out of 10. Which is lower than Six Nines last album, um, lower than just probably every album you can think of imaginable. Some people are questioning: Is it a smear campaign or is the album truly that bad? That is the last question I will actually leave to Taj because I know Chance's answer. What do you believe, Taj? Do you think this is a Harlow smear campaign or do you think the album is really just that underwhelming? I think everybody's trying to uh, clean their tracks. Like, I swear, if we went back a week in time, there was, I would say probably. If- so much dick eating. So much dick eating. A lot of people were Jack Harlow fans, and today everybody's like going extra hard trying to prove that they were never a Jack Harlow fan. So they're like, "This is the worst shit I ever heard." I don't think it's a smear campaign. Not smear campaign, but like I think it's just people trying to cover their tracks. Yeah, more so like that. Uh, Come on, man. Pitchfork. I think they kind of they summarized it best because I think your Drake comparison fits perfectly now. Like this is Jack Harlow's version of "Thank Me Later." Like. If you go back and revisit Drake's Thank Me Later, it's like Drake's most, like, I'm just for the women. I'm a lover boy. I'm this soft. I'm so soft. I'm so lovable. Find like love. <laughs> Type yeah. nigga. And this is what Jack Harlow is. Like, I'm I'm the cool guy. Every girl would love me. But I think that's the difference. Like, Drake, and I, I tweeted, I said, uh, Jack Harlow would have got away with it if it wasn't for that pesky Drake feature. Like, Drake just reminded you, like, the difference between him and Jack yeah. Harlow. Like. Drake is able to touch this bag that's like, yes, it's like very valuable, but also kind of corny. But Drake makes it interesting because Drake is like willing to shit on himself and he can paint the picture way better than Jack Harlow. So it feels relatable. Like nobody's relating to this Jack Harlow. Like the most I listen to this Jack Harlow and it sounds like you're listening to your friend flirt. Like it sounds like just that cringe moment captures that like a nigga trying to be too cool. Whereas Drake is like. We can never fall in love because you don't love me. It's like, okay. It's I like Drake that. is I've like shitting on himself. Yeah, it's like that. Whereas with Jack Harlow, it's like, bro, I don't really want to hear about how you got all never... these bitches. Like, I don't really care. Like, You're right. <laughs> it's two different levels of I would never say that. Like exactly. Drake's I would never say that is like that's too deep. And I would never be that vulnerable to a woman. And Harlow is like, dude, I'll never say that corny. Because it's just like, nigga, are you life. serious? Like, you really thought you got these off? And that's the thing, bro. The thing is, that's killing me. It's just like, I didn't expect much, but it's so comically just rudimentary and elementary and just so like, come on, God, like, come on, bro. Like, you really put together these rhymes and like somebody was in, because correct me if I'm wrong, whenever I think of a song and I'm trying to think of how it was made, like, I'm thinking of hella niggas in the studio, like, you in the boot going crazy, your homie in there, he like, damn, he's spitting like. You like ain't no the harmers was in there like oh Jack you got him with that one like oh Jack yeah that's the first like really like y'all was dick eating like that to tell bro like yeah bro this hard like y'all really in there dick eating and I'm not mad at Jack Harlow I'm mad at the niggas in the studio that didn't tell him this shit wasn't fire that's who I'm mad at bro I'm mad at the dick eaters in the studio so for all the dick eaters in the studio that's who I'm mad at so look um. Quick, I guess, not my, my last question wasn't my final question. I will ask my final question. Um, 
<clears throat> do you agree or disagree with Jack Harlow needing to be lifted so that his shoes don't get dirty at the Churchill Downs Kentucky Derby race? Being lifted by two black men who I'm assuming were either security or assistants of some sort. Uh, hoisting Jack Harlow in his all-white suit so that his Burberry shoes do not get dirty in the it's mud. It's so nasty, man. It's just it's nasty. It's just nasty because it's just like, man, like, are we really just celebrating this nigga? It feels like, are we just celebrating him because he's white? That's what it feels like. I'm sorry. And I, I just had to be blatant, unheard. I just had to be blatant. <laughs> nigga said that like <laughs> we were censoring him. <laughs> he said it to us. <laughs> I just had to get it off my chest, unheard, bro. Are we really just, are we letting them pull a fast one over our eyes? Just, we'll, do they really think we this stupid that we just going to go for it because he's white? That's what it feels like. Am I wrong? But to me, it feels like, I don't know, son. It just feel like, are we supposed to get with it because the boy white? Are we supposed to just keep letting this shit fly, getting carried? And it's like, all right. I'm sorry, white listeners. I have nothing against white folks. But come on, man. Y'all see it. No, that's the thing. I, I mean, even my white homies, they don't fuck with Harlow, really. That much. <laughs> that's why I know. That's why I'm like, damn, they like Mac Miller. They like the other ones. But Harlow, he's not even passing the test, for real, for real. I blame so, the women. Yeah, I wasn't trying to take it. I wasn't trying to take it there, but I, I got to man. I had to take it there. Jack Harlow. They, I saw the tweet. They said Jack Harlow makes music for the black shorty who uh, dates the white man, and says absolutely. And, and said no, no, no. Deeper than that, says, "Do you like black women?" And if he <laughs> once he says yeah, she calls him spicy white. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, think, I mean, what's y'all official review, bro? Is it just... Do you see... Let, let, let's let's, just, mine is, let's mine do a takeaway. What's your big takeaway? Slightly slightly underwhelming. I don't think he'll be here as long as I thought he was going to. Are there like stepping stones? Is there something to build on? That's what I'm trying to gauge here. Where take. can we take this this learning experience? It is a debut album. No, I'm it's not, not trying it's to not, kill a guy. Not, I don't hate not, Jack Harlow. It's Carlo. not his debut. It's not his debut. Wait. His last album was his debut. Remember what with was him his in the album car? Again? He's in the car with the girl on the album cover. Oh, yeah, I do remember that one. All right. What's your take, Taj? What's your final? What's your take? What's the takeaways? Uh, I don't think it's the end of Jack Harlow, I think. Again, I compared to Thank Me Later. Drake, uh, when he did that interview with Elliot and B-Dot, he called Thank Me Later the project he liked least because he felt he was too formulaic with it. Then he came back and dropped Take Care. I'm not expecting Jack Harlow to come back and drop Take Care, <laughs> but... I mean, I'm just saying it's like he's two projects in and he's got a huge budget and the industry loves him. Like a U-turn is not something that's not going to happen. I think worst case scenario, he falls into the rust lane long term of like, I'm just going to make music for the women and I'm going to get my hundred thousand and these niggas, I'm going to fly under the radar radar of every nigga and make a successful career. I think that's his worst case. I think the Drake case is probably not going to happen anymore just because he abandoned rap like. His first project, he has some really good rapping on there. And I listened to another interview. He said he basically stopped writing. And I think that's kind of what fucked him up. Oh, I could tell. He said I he could went definitely from, tell. <laughs> he said he early in his career, he wrote a bunch of his shit. And then he started, he record, He did a one studio session with Young Thug and them. And he saw that they punched in um, for all of it, their verses. And he said that's kind of just the way he started rapping. And you could tell in his project, like, it's just not the same pin quality 
from earlier that made me have some semblance of respect for Jack Harlow. It's just a lesser pin quality. Now I'm disrespecting him. All right. Well, fuck you, this okay. project. You've gotten you your disrespect project. off. Jack Harlow, Unhurt would love to have you on the podcast at some point. If you hear this, <laughs> love to have you on. Should we take another Unheard? Or should we... I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that the Kendrick review is not going to be quick. Yeah, let's do another Unheard, man. All right, I'll play an Unheard. So, for this Unheard, I want to shout out some real Southern rap. Um, I'm not even really sure where they're from. This is Hit Kid and Glorilla. They have a single out right now called Fuck Nigga Free. And it's giving me Bodak Yellow vibes in the sense where it's just a summer anthem for the women. So this is Fuck Nigga Free by Hit Kid and Glorilla. I'm F-R-E-E, fuck nigga free That mean I ain't gotta worry about no fuck nigga cheat And I'm S-I-N-G-L-E again Outside hanging out the window with my ratchet ass friends I'm F-R-E-E, fuck nigga free That mean I ain't gotta worry about no fuck nigga cheat And I'm S-I-N-G-L-E again Outside hanging out the window with my ratchet ass friends I'm G to the L to the O beat glow. You can catch me out in traffic tennis, slam with your hoes. I ain't popping out at parties, gotta boot me for a show. He say, Yeah, be living fast. Nah, pussy boy, you slow. Hey, we hopping out in red lights, twerking on them headlights. She say she can't come outside today, that means she's scared, right? I be put up in the winter, in the summer, pop out at night. Ragging on that nigga top, he better hold his head tight. Anyways, life's great, pussy still good. Still eating cake, wishing that a bitch with Got my foot up on they necks as a bitch should. On That's not what he tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't include that in the pie, man. But Kendrick Lamar, man. The heart, not one, two, three, but. Four, five. No, the hard part, five. <laughs> That's the worst possible. Yeah, that was terrible. All right. Kendrick Lamarck, man. Kendrick Lamarck. He's back, bro. Uh, after this, after this week, I, I tweeted, man. This nigga didn't even have the dignity, or not even gonna say that. He didn't even acknowledge, bro. He said, "Man, fuck you. I gave you forty-eight hours, nigga. You ain't handle business. I'm dropping a hard part five on Sunday." So he drops it. The hard point five and it, it's accompanying video. <laughs> the very, the very provocative, um, artistic, you know, display of 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 of, of Kendrick's artistry and, and 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 his lyrical ability. They all came out on Sunday, Mother's Day. Shout out to all the mothers, man. I love y'all. Love all the mothers who take care of their kids. <laughs> but back to my point. The Hard Part 5, the first and I presume only single for Kendrick's upcoming album, which is dropping this week. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. <laughs> this a lot is to the talk most comma-filled sentence. If this was a written sentence, this would have like a million commas. <laughs> it's no such a run-on. Point. There's no point. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about it, man. So do we want to get into the video, which is how I expect most people. I mean, okay, I'll just, I'll just, first. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just bolster into your point. Um, it was never a point. 
That was yeah. Sorry. No, thank you, Taj. Uh, I th- I think that the video and the song are truly inseparable. After I've given it like a few days, I because I, I actually mm-hmm. made the mistake of listening to the song first, Same. and a super emotional reaction to the song. And then when I rewatched the video with the song, I had a doubly emotional reaction to the song. So watching the video a few times and then realizing how the bars match with all the deep fakes and the faces that are in the video, there is really, I don't think, any way that you can... It's one of the, you know, it's just one of the instances where I don't think the video can be separate from the song, which is why I think it's interesting you bring up that question because uh, I think a question that a lot of people had, at least a lot of people were asking me, oh, did you see the video? Did you hear the song? But it's like, damn, <clears throat> I definitely saw a lot more people asking me, like, did you see the video than like other singles before? Because I think that kind of notion was there of like, oh, this video is kind of, it is the song. Like, there's no point in me going on Apple Music and clicking the hard part five. Like, I need to go to YouTube and watch this shit because nigga's saying he's turning into Kobe, Nipsey, OJ. But, yeah, great, great display of art. Like you said, for me, I guess my main takeaway was that it was just like a refreshing, kind of just like breath of fresh air um, and kind of like the very industry trap kind of hip-hop landscape we've kind of had for the last like year um so to see an artist past years i mean years Years. i'm just gonna say at least the last year between like roddy baby and um you know babyface doug gonna um so seeing like an artist and not to disrespect you know the earls and the boldies of the world but it's like when you see an artist like Kendrick that has the budget of these other artists like Drake and Gunna, and then they're able to use that budget to fully push their artistic kind of vision, that's kind of the breath of fresh air I'm talking about. Because you don't get to see too many artists that have such a large budget do something so creative. Because it's like, yo, who else can do this? Like, practically have the money to pull off a video that expensive with all the faces and shit like that. Like... You see crazy videos from indie artists, but an artist like Kendrick to really do the creative shit on the scale that he's doing it is is kind of it was it was nice, nice and refreshing for me. That was my biggest thing. I think um, I was one. I first heard the song. I didn't watch the video too. I was just li- reading the lyrics, and the whole time I'm just reading the lyrics. I was just, I was just shaking my head <laughs> after every lyric. It was the exact same way I was when I listened to Adele the first time. Just shaking my head. Well, I was like, in tears. Bro, how can you be this good? Mm-hmm. as something like how can you take so much time off come back and be even better like when were you practicing like where were you <laughs> when like? were you practicing it's hilarious <laughs> it felt like i watched king richard this weekend and it was like venus or like um her dad wouldn't let her play for like in juniors and she came back and she almost beat the top person in the world that's what it felt like with kendrick like this nigga was where were you away at just like getting better just refining this shit and then it was just like the lyric, after I watched the video, because the third verse threw me off, then I watched the video. I'm like, bro, give this it's nigga really another Pulitzer death. Prize. Like, really this, nigga, this nigga is really like, he's expanding, like, hip hop. He's enhancing, like, the med- median of what hip hop is, of quality the, of, like, the art. Bar is up. Like, the bar is the up. The bar rolls with this Kendrick. Like, and the only other artist I feel like whose pen is on that level is Earl. And the main difference, like, I'll even give Kendrick the advantage over Earl because, like, I think they both throw in so much shit and so many references, like a million ingredients into their songs. 
But Earl is like, fuck you. I don't care if this shit is digestible. Yeah. I'm just throwing you all yeah. the ingredients. Yeah. Kendrick is making a million ingredients digestible to the masses. Like, that shit is insane to, like, pack so many things into a song and still have people, like, want to listen to it. Like call, it is, like, like, call it a stretch. They had one bar, or at least somebody was explaining the bar where, the, I guess, it was Kendrick's last bar with OJ's face. And he was like, I do this for the culture. Ain't no photoshopping. And somebody was kind of explaining that, like, before OJ's trial, to kind of make OJ more acceptable amongst the black jurors, like, Johnny Conquer his lawyer was going out and shopping and doing photo shoots with OJ, like, in black clothes, like, baggy jeans and Howard University varsity jackets to make him appear like <laughs> he was more black than he was. So they were, like, his bar about, like, I'm doing this for the culture, but there's no photoshopping. The whole double entendre of like this isn't fake. I'm not photoshopping, but I'm also not like OJ to where I'm physically shopping to do photos for the culture. I was just like, man, maybe it could be a stretch, but for a nigga like Kendrick, that's the one person where it's like I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> so shit like I that. Say this, man. When you when you just read the lyrics, when you hear the lyrics, it's just like. It feel like when you're on a Wikipedia page and you're reading through some history or some shit, and just like every line got a blue link in it, <laughs> and it just link you to another page with the history on whatever topic of the word that is they brought up. And that's a lot what this project feels like, man. I mean, when you hear it, I, I be trying to break down the lyrics in my head, but it just... So much is so potent and just so direct and enthusiastic and the delivery is so emphatic that when you hear it, as you're trying to consume it and, and, and unpack it and digest it and figure out what it means, he's already four or five lines ahead and says some other shit to where it's like, damn, nigga, like I'm trying to keep up. Like, can you wait? You feel me? And that's that's what you get here, man. You get a real hip-hop head or you know um a real rap fiend you get you get their playground man their absolute dream with kendrick bro and and i like what you said earlier as then he gets better with every listener just like goddamn at this point like i don't even have expectations but in a good way in that man you've already done everything bro like what is there to expect and then he comes out with something like this and it's just like you know, we ain't even really broke down. I feel like we could do a whole episode and just dive down on what he really saying here and and the points he's trying to get at. But just a potent record. I will say myself, I consumed it via the video form first. So uh, like like Vance said, I feel like in, in some ways the video does seem inseparable, you know, from the messaging, from the art itself. I mean, when you talk about the production on it, the kind of those drums in the back like those congo drums with the with the deep bass line man i think that was the marvin gay sample it's just so potent and i feel like to me like the like we talked about the lyrics being refreshing i thought the drums were like refreshing exactly like it felt like kendrick like i don't even know how to explain kendrick coming out on some like talking about though your typical like plug-in drums or whatever wouldn't have felt right but kendrick coming out on some like those type of real natural exactly it wasn't baby keem shit those drums it felt like the nigga was like emerging out the forest like here's what i've learned like just just going (laughs) off to these drums (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I mean that 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 plays into, and I guess we could get into kind of the, maybe some of the topics that he's talking about here, which is, and I kind of want to ask you guys what your expectations for the album are based on the album title, and maybe there's one single, but he talks a lot about culture here, and when you think about culture, what culture he's talking about? Obviously, our culture, black culture. So when you hear like these Congo drums, that really just like. It really just brings you back and kind of, you know, chance, put chance, you in. I'm, 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 I'm serious, <laughs> though. Chance, Come on, let's keep it 100. This like, man said, once he even, said the word culture over the Congo drums, it took me back to Africa. We got to stop. I'm being serious, chance, though. But a lot of the topics he's talking about, he's talking about culture, like just black culture, I like how, how it's depicted. How we depict it to the media, how the media depicts us. It's also a bit of a cheat How we code. perceive I'm sorry. it. I'm sorry. I can't let you get this off as if it's that profound. It's profound. Kendrick I don't know. Am be, I lying? Kendrick just be saying culture over some Congos. Let's talk and about be eating it up. And I get it. Talk about the lyrical content, Bro, man. What no, is the best verse was the last verse because it was the most personal verse. It was the least like cliche verse. The song got better as it went on. Like I feel you. The culture shit was cool. He's talking about the shit. It's just for me. It's like it's nothing different than what Kendrick's gonna talk about. So like in terms of album expectations, I expect him to say culture a bunch of times and talk about. How there's, like, a, how, there's, I mean. how there's going to be a new blackness and how we're going to redefine blackness in the 2020s. Like, I'm sure is what he's going to talk about now. I just hope the production's fire. Like, what you were speaking to, like, the Marvin Gaye sample. Like, for me, it was two things. One, the decision to come back and use a Marvin Gaye sample for your lead single. Like, I don't know if you guys know about the Robin Thicke thing, but, like, Marvin Gaye ended Robin Thicke's career because they stole... A Marvin Gaye groove. They didn't even steal the yeah. exact song. They just stole the feeling, the, the the groove of the song. You know the song, nigga. The random question I had. A, uh, I was thinking about this whole Robin Thicke thing, and I was like, if I could just steal one song from a white person and just make it my own song, I would steal Robin Thicke's Lost Without You. Like That would be my one song I just steal I mean, from Lost white Without music you is goaded. and just bring it into the black Robin community. Robin Thicke is not technically white, though, son. Nigga, what? Yes, he is. He what technically is he? A look. Even his, come on, son, you know no, what no, he no. is. I don't know what he is. Now he's a white man. <laughs> he is, is he? white. Is he really white, though? I thought he was You're mixed. the one saying he's not. <laughs> I thought he was mixed, man. That is a white he's man. white and Canadian, bro. Get out of we here. Claim, we claim him, white. though. I claim him. I don't claim him. That's why I would steal his song anyway, and bring it to the black community. Anyway, outside <laughs> of the Marvin Gaye sample, because, like, okay, if... Marvin Gaye is ruining Robin Thicke's career over this. Obviously, this is an expensive sample. So to make that like the, the the background of your single, that's huge to me. And then two, like that third verse, that, telling the producer to cut the drums on the single. That's that's bold. What rap when you know, when a rapper says they're cutting the drums, and I don't even know how many real hip hop heads are listening to our podcast. I mean, I hope a decent amount, but when a rapper tells the producer to cut the drums. It's over. How are you reacting in the studio? You produce this song. Nigga tells you cut the drums. I'm cutting the drums immediately. <laughs> I'm telling everybody else to get out the studio, and I'm cutting the drums immediately. And I'm turning the volume up. I'm making sure the levels sound amazing. I'm making sure that nigga sounds like Michael Jackson when the drums are cut. Because that's basically like John Morant scoring the last 14 points in the fourth quarter. Like, the drum cut... It's just such a bold move, you feel me? It's like, like I said, it's like taking the last eight shots in the game. Now, you might make them or you might miss them. Kendrick made all eight shots. 
easily. They were floating. Like, he was floating. Floating them bitches. Fadeaway threes. He was cooling. So, it was more of like a, like you said, the boldness coming back out, just talking the shit and doing it in a manner in a manner where it's like, yeah, this is me. I'm not trying to be anybody else, but this is who I am. I'm going to just do my shit and get ready for the album, which in that sense, I think it was like the perfect single because like at this point, I'm ready for the album, which is only coming in what? Two days, two, three days. 100% perfect single. Uh, on brand, another ins- another installation in the heart series. It also like elevated Kendrick somehow. <laughs> it was like the verse three is probably going to go down to one of the verses of the year. It's insane to just do a verse from the point of view of Nipsey Hussle, who is like probably one of the most beloved figures in the last decade of hip hop. And nobody's like, nah, bro, you outstepped your boundaries. Everybody's just like, nah, you really did him justice. Like, and that's from, <laughs> that's a testament. And they're from opposite hoods. Like, I saw that was kind of a thing, too. Niggas were talking about, like, Kendrick has kind of been more affiliated with the Pyrus and the Bloods and Nipsey with the, with the allegedly and Nipsey allegedly with the neighborhood 60s, the rolling 60s and all that, so... They were just like, yeah, for the you know kind of unity to happen with some with some dope shit to dope shit to see, and it was like you said, it was like you could tell that all the Nipsey fans were kind of there, just with stern faces, making sure Kendrick did justice, and then there's kind of like probably a collective nod after, like, okay. Speaking more on the faces, what if y'all just want to say quickly, what did you think collectively? Because he chose six specific faces, like if y'all just want to talk about maybe kind of your take or kind of how you reacted to the six faces in particular he chose, which to remind everybody was, I think in order, it was OJ Simpson, then Kanye, then Jesse Smollett, Kobe, Nipsey, and I'm forgetting one. Will Smith. And Will Smith. It was Will Smith, then Kobe, then Nipsey. Uh, I just thought the faces were kind of like a hyperlink of like, I'm making this reference with a bar. Here's where I got that reference from. Really? Oh, that was kind of like a hyperlink. That's how you took it? And also speaking on the bigger culture thing. But, yeah. I took it similarly. Because, like, uh, like, OJ had the bar about the photoshopping, the culture, and trying to not make it look fake. Um, Kanye had a bar about something with bipolar. My best friend bipolar. Yeah, I think something with... Um, Friends bipolar. Yeah. yeah, the Nipsey, obviously Nipsey bars with staring down the trigger of the gun and Kobe passing. Um, Will Smith, the bar about uh, hurt people, hurt people. It's not really about you. It's just that I'm hurt inside. So I think similarly to Taj, I think it was more of like a hyperlink. But again, back to the title, The Heart, Part 4. I think it's kind of this overarching thing about like image and love and acceptance forgiveness i think just all these things that kind of we encapsulate with like love and the heart so like i think it was just yeah. like Taj said like it wasn't anything like no super profound thing it was just very much kendrick like very good execution on like kendrick kendrick level yeah i lean more so to the latter like y'all said as far as how it's a reference to the overall bigger culture thing like a lot of the topics like did y'all peep the hook where he like the hood, like, I want the hood to love me. Like, and we talk about that all the time. Like, it's like, the hood be kind of, like, sleeping. Maybe not sleeping on Kendrick, but 
you know, like niggas, they always make the joke like, you know, nigga don't want to hear Kendrick. Like, yeah. this is not. And I don't know why you, you said this today, and I was, I don't agree with that, niggas. You don't agree. Know, with, what do you think he's saying there? Like then? Kendrick Lamar. They do. <laughs> like, that is huh? true. It's, it's the it's white boys who say they're from the hood who don't like Kendrick Lamar. It's the niggas it's not who a, say they're from the hood that dislike Kendrick Lamar. They won't it's play not Kendrick a Lamar. dislike of Kendrick Lamar, but it's just like. They play Kendrick Lamar. Niggas play Kendrick Lamar. I don't know what. I don't. Yeah, it's just a false statement. I don't know. I don't know if it's a false statement. I'm not saying niggas don't play Kendrick Lamar or don't like Kendrick Lamar. I'm just saying like, why he saying that? Then he he clearly feel that way or that he feel like his message, his messaging, not being heard. I mean, like I said, I think falling on deaf ears. But I think it was like your point too. I think a combination of like. Him, Kendrick, feeling these similar feelings that probably OJ felt and that Kanye feel of, like, just wanting acceptance. Like, whoever that audience is, like, whether it's the hood or it's the media or the jury, it's like, I want that acceptance to feel like I'm a part of this shit. I just think it was good storytelling through, like, a variety of stories and a variety of perspectives, which I think the video did a good job of also portraying. Shout out Kendrick Kendrick Breakdown. Uh, expect predictions first week. I'm standing at 450k. I was predicting sub 500 before the single, but after the single, I'm I'm feeling I'm leaning more towards 500 plus. Chance. Hmm. Who was the last artist to sell 500? Uh, probably Drake. I mean, like. In rap, yeah, like Adele, probably technically, but like. Well, Drake, who was the last rap Drake artist? Drake sold five fifty, I think, on CLB. No single. This Drake sold five fifty on CLB. Really? Let me look. No it up. fucking way. Six that is six insane. six thirteen. Excuse me. Six thirteen. That was off here. Ye did three oh nine. Donda. Donda did three oh nine. Kendrick ain't dropped in five years. It's also not 2017. I'm going to go 520. 520K. These are kind of safe answers from the whole pod. We're all within the same. I had 450. You guys, you have over 500. Chance has 520K. Okay, let's see. If Vance would give a more discreet answer, we can see who gets the closest. All right. I will say the time. I'll give, I'll give, I'll just say, I'll just say over 550. So I'll say I'll okay. say five fifty to six. Price is right tight. Okay. The timing, the timing of this album is incredible, man. With the with what we just broke down in the two first segments, the untimely Rico charges, addressing arresting maybe two hops hip hop's two biggest stars, or one of or two of the biggest stars in hip hop. The Jack Harlow flopping, how we was just talking about how this man is potentially gonna be the new face of hip hop. It just seems like Kendrick is coming back and a lot of messages he's talking about. He talks about he talks about himself in a savior or God complex. And in a lot of ways he is coming to rectify the hip hop game chance, and correct chance. a lot of folks. <laughs> I was about to say in a lot of Dude, ways he is God. I was bro, like, so I'm looking forward insane. to it. This man Chan- it's only funny the way that Chance is I'm having looking this forward take to it. Because he sent memes of Kendrick fans to us on Twitter. I was just saying that's what, but but it's the thing. I wasn't even gonna mention it, but I thought y'all was doing a little bit more dick riding than I initially anticipated because y'all was talking about people was big up in the album too much, which is why I was sending y'all those takes in case you want to uh, 
support your point. But y'all came on here with the safe ass Kendrick, man. I don't even want to say I literally never said, I've never said a bad word about Kendrick Lamar. I've never said a bad word about Kendrick Lamar. I didn't call him God. I said that's the type of complex he has on here where he's saying like, that no, is the complex. Said, no, that's the tone that's the he com- takes on the song. He said that's the complex he has on rap. No, on this on this song, he has like this kind of God complex, savior complex. Like he's saving hip hop, or not saving hip hop. He's saving the hood. They need him. Oh, you don't get you didn't get that vibe from this song. I didn't actually, but I mean I that's that's the beautiful that thing about he music. I'm glad you got that interpretation. I'm sure, bro. Like you said, bro. There's too much. There's too many words on that song for me to absolutely fully grasp, but. I think that oh, was just yeah. a really, really strong three topics. Yeah, we have more topics. That was our strongest three topics podcast. in a while, actually. Now that I think about it, Jack Harlow. There's been a long podcast, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. We'll cut here with last words. Um, my last words are going to be the topics we didn't get to cover. Uh, I really wanted to talk about the Roy Wood single, an artist you believe in for no reason. Oh no, I wanted to talk about sick. you're sick for Roy Wood. <laughs> I wanted to talk I about I believe in Roy Wood. <laughs> I wanted to talk about ASAP Rocky, um, shit no Travis Scott because saying Travis Scott stole the oh, sound yeah. when ASAP Rocky stole the sound from a nigga from we Travis Scott City. I wanted to talk about um, summer 2022 predictions. It's coming close. We don't know who's going to take over the summer. A uh, shout out Trinity. She said it's about to be a Santana summer. So I wanted to talk about that. SZA we'll talk about that said next it was episode. Be a SZA summer. We'll talk about the next episode. Whose summer will it be? It's going to be an unheard <laughs> summer. Uh, and that's it. That's the topics we didn't get to cover. Um, that's my last words. Yo. Follow us on Spotify and Apple and leave a review. That's it for me. Yo, last words, man. We're graduating, bruh. Not by the time you hear this, we're graduating. But this will be our last episode as USC students. So I don't know if you can drink, bruh. If you can drink, if you can't drink, drink safely. But, man, take a shot for unheard, please. 100 episodes, bruh. We need every single one of our 100 and whatever unique listeners to take one shot. Thousands. Thousands something. Oh, damn. Well, I don't know how we were going to work on this, <laughs> listeners, but we need to f- collectively take thousands of shots um, to celebrate. So give us a round of applause. I mean, I know you already listened, so th- thank you, I guess. But we are out of here. It has been a long road. I'm proud of all of us. It is not easy to graduate in four years, despite statistics and everything, you know, saying that these accredited universities are a breeze. It is not a breeze. So, pat on the back for unheard. It's my last words. Very fittingly, I'm going to outro with the R&B unheard. Play love to you, flower child. Weezy out of here. Drifting, floating, vibing, so sublime. Side by side into the morning light Oh, you know, oh, you know my heart is true I got a love Jones, babe, tattooed on my heart just for you Yeah.
Over, dog. 